welcome to episode four of the Everyday Being podcast. Uh, I'm grateful to be joined again by Steve. Hello, Steve. Hi, Gareth. How you doing? I asked, I asked you when you had a full glug of uh, yeah, a of tea, which yeah. is rather unhelpful of me, so sorry about that. Uh, yeah, I'm fine. You okay, mate? Yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah, very good. Yeah, really looking forward to today. Yeah, me, me too. Uh, thank you once again for taking the time for you and for allowing us into your world. We hope that you have enjoyed episodes one, two, three so far. Um, if you are coming to this and this is the first time you listen to us, we say this at the start of every episode, but please go back to episode one because we do think that there is value in listening to those first three episodes where we give an overview. Um, we've started to think about inside out versus outside in. Uh, and each time we're kind of building more and more layers on onto it as well. So please come back, uh, start with episode one. Um, if uh, if this is your fourth time with us, we're really grateful that you're staying with us. Uh, and hopefully you are already building your understanding, deepening your knowledge. And we've had some brilliant feedback already that there are some things that are resonating really strongly with people. So hopefully you're, you're getting that that value and, and getting a stronger affinity to what it is that we're, we're pointing into. As a reminder, the Everyday Being podcast is br- trying to bring to life how a change in our understanding about how we live, how we think, how we feel in really simple, common ways can make such a significant improvement on our well-being and our happiness. That's the field we're, we're playing in and we'll start each episode with that just to keep reminding what we're trying to do. Um, thank you for those of you that have already got in contact and have sent us messages. Um, we genuinely welcome welcome that, and we are coming back to people once they're asking questions. So you're not just putting it out there. This is this is a two way conversation. Um, we would be delighted to hear from you. So please contact us at hello at everydaybeing.co.uk if you have any questions. Um, last week was the first time that we had two questions, uh, and we heard from Vicky and Suzanne. Uh, We've got two other questions and comments this week that we're going to explore and we've done the same again. We've got a question at the start from Josh and we end with a a question and a comment from Matt. So we're going to bookend our conversation with these questions. Uh, So let's get into Josh's question. Josh, thank you very much for sending in to us. He sent us a note uh, to our email address at hello at everydaybeing.co.uk after listening to episode one. So we're going all the way back to, to that. And he asked a really interesting question. So he said to us, how do we have confidence in something when you don't have the competence? Um, I think if we remember, Steve, we were sort of uh, talking a little bit in episode one about the role that confidence plays, where it comes from, the way our thinking can impact impact that. Uh, it will be a deeper conversation, a deeper topic we're going to come to in some of the later episodes of this first series. So, uh, Steve, what reaction did you have to Josh's question? Yes, and I think it came off the example I gave, which was often if people have already got the skills and experience it can look like they need to do something to for confidence rather than see, well, if you've already got the competence, that would suggest it's much more about your sort of state of mind, your thinking, your, your sort of being. So I think it sort of came from that. And he's saying, yeah, well, actually, but if you haven't got the competence, <laughs> what do you do about confidence? And it's a really good question. So I think the answer to that question is that the reason we're exploring being is that Ultimately, the only thing we can be really confident in is our ability to be present in the moment. That often what's going to happen in life, we don't control. And therefore, we can't be fully confident in the way that life is going to unfold. And yet we know that the the way that we put ourselves in the best possible position to achieve what we want is if we're fully present in the moment. Because if we're fully sort of present in the moment, then we're we're able to just um, show up and, that's crap. So 
the answer is the only thing we can be fully confident in is the way that we engage with life. So that why we've talked so much about being is because that ability to be present to our life and to fully engage in life ultimately is the only thing that we can be fully confident in. And the truth is, if if we're doing something that we've never done before, so we haven't necessarily got the competence or the experience or even the skills, then confidence is going to be an outcome of doing it, not the starting point. Because if you're doing something that you've never done before, then in a way you can't be fully confident in what's going to happen as, as a result. The confidence... You know, for example, if you've never done a presentation before, then you're not going to be confident and you're unlikely to be confident going into your first presentation because you've got no experience of it. So actually, the confidence to do presentations comes as a result of the experience of doing it. So people that are very confident and very capable at presentations have done a lot of them, <laughs> that they gradually built up their confidence, their competence, and their experience. Now, at the same time, <clears throat> what helps us is, or what gets in the way often is that we think we should be more confident. So we have a lot of thinking about it. Yeah. And we get quite invested in the way that it should go and what we want other people to think of us and, and so on and so forth, which, of course, in a way, creates unconfidence because we can't control what other people think of us. and We don't know yeah. how it's going to land with them. So you can we have to realize that I need to lower my investment. I don't need I, I need to not think about those things. And really yes. focus on the only thing I do control, which is how I turn up, how I engage in that activity and trust that if I'm fully present and I'm fully engaged in it, then uh, that will give me the best chance of delivering what I want to deliver. But it will also create learning. It will also create learning. And it will also create experience for us. So you see that with you know, if I think about, I know you use young children quite a few times, but I think it's a good example. You know, think about young children when they first start to walk. It's like, have they got the competence to walk? No. Have they got, are they fully confident that they will achieve it? Well, they might do because they might look at the parents and think, well, my parents have cracked it. So there's a good opportunity. I'll crack it. But the reality is they try, they get up, they fall down. Uh, they learn from the experience, they try again, and they try again, and they try again. I often think if we waited till we were adults, we'd try it a couple of times. And because we weren't very good at it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we would go, yeah, you know, I, I tried walking, but it just didn't work for me. You know, I, I gave it a good <laughs> go, tried a couple of times, but, you know, just one of those things, you know, clearly I wasn't born with the gene. Do you know, the uh, example I had in my head was uh, when Florence was five, maybe going on, on six, um, I took her to play crazy golf on Brighton Seafront, right? And she was old old enough that she could hold a golf club and she, she got it, everything about it. And the two of us played together because Nancy was, was a bit, bit younger. <laughs> and I'm not that fast show competitive dad or anything like that but we played 18 18 holes on this crazy golf course and i counted every stroke <laughs> <laughs> and she's a, you know she's a diligent individual but she'd never played it before um she beat me that day steve first time she'd ever ever played golf didn't really get but got it didn't know i counted every, every stroke and we laugh about it joke about it that when she was that that young she absolutely uh absolutely beat me um and in, interestingly one of maybe one of the reasons it's come to mind she's she went off on a uh a, a works night out this this week and went to one of those indoor um 
crazy golf places that seem to be popping up left right and center mm. now and she was telling me about how terrible she was and it was rubbish and she and i kept reminding her i said I tell you what when you were five and you didn't think about it you were absolutely amazing at, at yeah. golf and that there is just that you know nature of thinking and judging herself based on other people or what other people think or her own narrative or whatever it might be but if you come you know maybe it doesn't need the comparison but i could just look at that one thing there and say she'd never done it before there was no expectation there was no understanding of competence actually she didn't even know probably that we were counting scores or anything like that so i said afterwards but there's just a really good example of a you know a young-ish child just being being in in the moment for something and you know you can beat a dad <laughs> on brian's front absolutely i think that's so true and you you know it's really interesting in the sports world you know there's there's really good research been done in many sports showing that people that get to really elite level have done ten thousand hours of purpose yes yeah yeah and i think sometimes we underestimate that we think oh they just they're they're naturally talented and so on and it's a bit disingenuous really you know because when you look at certain people that have got to the top of their sport just think well they've just been born with a talent it's like, well, there's probably an element of truth that but they, they've done a huge amount of, of practice, purposeful practice, you know, really focusing on what they're doing and the confidence and the competence sort of go hand in hand, really, you know, that you're only going to be confident in something as you develop the competence for it. And so I think it's really helpful often to think, yeah, confidence is an outcome, but the thing we can do is focus on the way that we engage and I think that's a lovely example with children they just tend to just show up and engage in it and of course often they perform better anyway um but that doesn't mean they're perfect but from that place that's where you can really develop the competence I think children just have an innate ability to they want to achieve you know when you play a sport with a young child they want to treat it properly you know if you start sort of bending the rules you know you're in trouble but I think they also think it's about learning and it's about fun so I think they balance that it's fun it's learning and of course it's about achievement I think as we get older we think it's all about the achievement and if we don't achieve what we think then we just give up (laughs) yeah there's something for me that also thinks that competence isn't is not a healthy thing in that it's full of expectation, judgments, rights, wrongs, book of law, as we keep coming back to, um, versus actually, it is what it, what it is. Um, yeah, I, I was all, I was also sort of thinking about you know the competence to do DIY stuff. Yeah, you know, I'm blooming terrible at <laughs> DIY, and I was also thinking about sort of like health and safety risks and things like 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 that. That you go, well, hang on, there's something there that you know, I don't know, using a I don't know some sort of saw or something like that. You go, well, hang on, you got to have competence before you use those things. So so be careful of that. But I I, I also just think, well, actually, that there are there are damage damaging there are expectations that come with this is how it should be done that can then inf- impact the confidence as well so i do think there are lots of negatives that come from the notion of competence as well but again absolutely. the adult world is, is is full of that isn't it we as we keep touching on yeah absolutely and i think you really you know you really see that actually what just come to mind as you said that I read something a, a long time ago about Pete Sampras I mean I don't particularly follow tennis mm. but obviously he was a very successful right. tennis player and apparently he was the first person that sort of worked out that for the serve up to that point competence was thought of as what you throw the ball up at the same time as you throw your racket up and that was the way you served that was the competent right. way to serve up together down together he worked out, I guess, probably through his experience and through his, I guess, his coaching he had, that actually when you throw the ball up, you want the racket going in the opposite direction. Because it's then if it's going in the opposite direction, it's building up speed. And then that okay. creates a powerful serve. So he actually yeah. revolutionized the the way that, that people served. So I think you're right. Sometimes our expectations and models of what competence is holds it back it stops then that evolving yes. it stops someone bringing their own creative energy to it 
And yeah. you sort of see that in lots of different sports, actually. And, and in life, you know, the, yeah. the way yeah. we do things yeah, yeah. today is probably quite different to the way we've done it in the past, because in a way that relates to today's topic that, you know, our life continues to unfold. It's, it's, it's creative and it's expansive. And we're part of that. So sometimes when we have these fixed ideas of the way things should be, that that limits that creative that creative energy. So I think coming from yeah. being enables us to connect much more to that energy. We probably could keep talking, but we'd completely missed the purpose of this episode. So Josh, <laughs> uh, thank you very much for your, your question. I hope that's uh, a, a good answer, useful answer. We've given lots of things to it and hope you found that um, of use. Um, so let's move on to our, our topic today. Um, interestingly, our topic today is what is being. Now, to some extent, you could argue, hang on, why have we taken till episode four to ask that question? Surely this should have been done somewhat earlier. Um, we've done that deliberately because we wanted to sort of build some base understanding and some nice evolution on top of what we're talking about before we get into the, this topic of what is being. We we think that this is getting to the heart of what we're pointing at. Um, there is a slight risk that we, we think that maybe this one will be a bit too um, theoretical, for want of a better term. Um, but we're going to keep as we as we try and do each week is ground it in some examples. And the examples are not prescriptive. They're not saying this is the answer. The examples are a way that we try and bring something that can be a bit abstract, could be a bit spiritual and try and land it in everyday stuff that you can you can go, oh, OK, I see how that plays out now. This is how that might resonate with me. And this is what it means for me as well. So, so that's what we're trying to, to do. But we'll we'll absolutely talk about you know what it is we're, we're pointing out and what we think being is. Uh, and then we'll get into discussions of what that looks like. So, Steve, uh, kick us uh, kick us off. Yeah, so I've, and we're try like you say, we're trying to keep this non-conceptual. So I'll try and keep this brief, which I'll, as People that have listened to it so far know that that's always a challenge for me. So um, so I think to come back to what we talked about before, being is the one thing we know for sure. So what we're saying is the fact that we are having an experience, that we are present, that's the constant in our life. So we're saying that that's the one part of our life that we absolutely know for sure, that at any moment in time, we are having an experience. And we know we're having an experience because we're aware of that and we're being that. So in a way, awareness, being presence, we're saying it's the it's the same thing. So that's useful just to sort of come back to that. And when you inquire into the nature of that, and this is the sort of self-inquiry bit that we would just provoke anyone that's listening to think about is when you inquire into the nature of this awareness, you realise actually it has no form. It has no boundaries. It's actually quite difficult to get hold of. It has no sort of beginning or end. It's simply that sort of knowing, that knowing presence. Um, and I think the one of the best examples I've heard to sort of describe it would be that it, it's a bit like um, it, the awareness, our being, is the screen on which our experience plays out we become one with the experience. So much like when we watch a film at a cinema, we don't differentiate the screen from the movie itself. You know, we see them as one, but we know that the movie is not the film. And yet without the screen, there is no film. So they're sort of inextricably linked. And we're saying that our it's easy for us to get caught up in the film of our life, if you sort of take that metaphor a bit further, that our thinking, our state of mind, our feelings, our emotions are like the film of our life. They're the, they're the way that we experience life. And so they're, they're real to us. That is the only way that we can experience life. We can only experience life through our five senses and through thinking. And that's the that's the way that that's the, the the film of our life, if you like, that we sort we sort of live in, and and it's real that that is the way that we experience life. And what we're pointing to with being is saying, and actually, it's also helpful to see there is a deeper truth to that, 
which is that there is there is a part of us that is aware of our mind and our thinking and our feelings and our emotions that's why we can say i am happy or i am sad or i am anxious is because we we're having the experience of the anxiety the happiness and so on but there is something that is aware of that and that's our being and that's really helpful because then it means that there might be times in our life when we get caught up in the the emotions and the feeling and the thinking and that then takes on a life of its own in a way there's a sort of you know going back to that um the rolling road example <laughs> it's sort of just the, you know and the more we we're thinking that the faster it goes and the more our life seems to be out of control and we're saying so at times it's helpful to then be able to sort of step back more into that that awareness that knowing presence so that it doesn't mean we don't have that experience but there is something that we're stepping back to which gives us a greater sense of perspective on that and gives us just an opportunity in a way to sort of step off the road in a sense and then just allow you know allow um that to calm to calm down so there's a sort of paradox at play in a way which is that we're we're part of something that's bigger than ourselves so in a way that sense of our being is something that we sort of share with everyone else so I think often when we're when we're just really present with someone and we've got a quiet mind there is a real sense that we feel more connected you know and it, it we don't feel so much us and them we feel very much a sort of a we because I think that's what we sort of do share in our in our essence at the same time we're a sort of an individual expression of that intelligence energy of life so there is something then that says yeah but each person is slightly different each person is a unique expression of that and in a, I think in a very real way there is and will only ever be one of you you know I what was mm. coming to mind when I was thinking about this was like like snowflakes in a way you know every snowflake is is completely unique and yet it's all sort of part of snow and so in a way for us, I think we're, we're all connected, we're all part of that, and yet we're an individual expression of that. And I think sometimes what happens, why we're talking so much about being is because when we think of ourselves, when we get so connected to that separate self, that sort of ego, of course, if you're a completely separate self, then you can sort of live in fear, really, because I suppose a separate self, mm. the biggest fear is death. It sort of knows that life is very precious. You know, we teeter on the edge often. And so physical death or being rejected, being rejected by other people, you know, being thrown out of the, the tribe as it was in the past was, was sort of led to certain deaths. So we're very sensitive yeah. about how other people see us, our sort of social sort of persona. So the risk is if we just associate to our separate self and we lose that sense of being, it sort of keeps us small. It sort of limits our potential. It stops us growing and developing. And whereas that, that the nature of life, that intelligence energy is completely creative. It's creative and it's expansive. And that's part of us. I think that's why human beings have evolved in the way that we have, because that's our nature. Our nature is to create. Our nature is to grow. Our nature is to make the most of our potential. So I think thinking about our being, all the important roles in our life, you know, uh, uh, being a really good friend, being a, a really good boss, being a really good colleague, you know, and you take it into your personal life, you know, with mother, father, husband, wife or whatever, you realise that those roles are, you know, if you said, well, what does it take to be a really good friend? What does it take to be a really good boss? It's sort of an unanswerable question. Because any of those important roles in our life, you have to recreate them every day because you change, other people change, life changes. So you, you have to be aware that you're, you're being that every day in the way that you turn up in those different roles. And the more you see that, you realise 
going back to our earlier conversation you know, about sort of competence, we can think there's something I need to achieve, there's somewhere I need to get to. And it doesn't mean that that's not helpful, but you realize that that never really means much because even if you get a promotion and you become the main boss, for example, yeah. <laughs> you then realize, okay, there's a whole new set of things I now need to do in that role. So that then is an ongoing creation. So in a way, the creative process in our life, all the different roles and responsibilities we have, as far as I can see, never end until you until you physically die, because they're just they're just constant. You know, life never stays static. It, it sort of never stays still. So we can't either. So that's why I think coming back to who we're being is a really useful is a really useful question. Yeah. But any any thoughts you know the... from your perspective on that? Yeah, this is really. It, this comes to mind. It's, it's a slightly odd example, but for, for me, it just resonates based on what we were talking about. Um, and interestingly, I'm coming back to sport, which we've not touched on on, on before. So back it, back in the summer, I was playing my one game of cricket that I have each each year. I absolutely love cricket, uh, but I'm a terrible player, <laughs> um, and I'm probably a terrible player in a real game actually if you catch me on the beach or or in, in a park I, I i can probably do okay but even when i was when i was young i really got stuck in my head about playing the game and worrying about the consequences and worrying about expectations and what people would think i don't know what they i played a lot of sports when i was young but there was something always about always about cricket that was slightly different that maybe it was a bit more too in, individualistic and I felt that too many people were watching me. Right. <laughs> when you sort of like, I played lots of sort of football and rugby, and there's something different about that, that I had it in my head that cricket would, there was these, an umpire watching me and the other batsmen watching me and these 10 other players watching me. And I was watching and getting it get into my head. And I remember sort of when I was you know, playing, I remember just being so in my head about everything that, that ended up, you know, getting out and not being a very good very good cricketer so it just sort of phased faded out really but um with some of my my awareness about being and in the moment and power of that i i did the my annual cricket game this year i absolutely tried to apply that that i wasn't gonna think about all those other things or what the score was or what the team needed to do i was just gonna you know that simple thing of get out of the way of myself and let what is naturally in me when that ball comes to me i'll hit it and i won't have an internal dialogue with myself or probably a monologue about what i needed needed to do and where it needed to be here i would just just be there and and react to it um and by the way i didn't become brian lara over <laughs> overnight yeah. just because i was going from a different perspective but I I I hung hung around and and played played my my parts, um, and scored scored some runs. Uh, but but what was and and I kept coming from that perspective. But interestingly, I then started to shift about what was the score, what was the situation, what did the team need from me, and suddenly started to put those expectations in place of, actually, what this next ball, I needed to score two runs or I needed to score some runs off it. And then suddenly, I wasn't um, judging being in the moment, judging each ball as it comes, as I had been, or not even judging, just experiencing each ball as it come, comes. And then what do you know, very quickly, I, I got out because I was, you know, I had that expectation of I needed to do this. And because I needed to do this, that needed to happen. And then, you know, I, I, I got out. Um, and I was actually in the first instance, really crossed myself because I'd, I'd, I had that expectation about what my role was in the in the bigger context of things that my role was to do this and stay around and need to do this for the, for the team. And actually what I realized afterwards was, no, that was absolutely the right thing that happened. And this isn't, by the way, me post-rationalizing it. I genuinely believe it's true is that because because I got out 
certain things happen, but it meant the better players ended up coming in after me. And those better players scored more runs than I was going to score. So actually what I'd done was I'd served my purpose in, you know, you know, I know this is really tiny and small, but I'd done what I needed to do. And actually the you know greater forces had said, right, you've done your bit now, time to move on and let others do their bit as well. So, might be a slightly odd example, and apologies if cricket doesn't quite work for you, but I think that's just a nice mixture of of competence, of confidence, of being and in the moment, but also being individualistic and being me and doing what I need to do, but being part of something bigger. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can really hear that in what you're describing, which is that it's very tempting for us i think to feel like we are in control mm-hmm. and therefore things should work out in a particular way and you know in a way um you know if i think about where i am what what's happening on the street down the road you know, I'm thinking, well, I don't have any say in what, what's going on there or what's going on in uh, in, a, in another country somewhere else. And and yet when it's our when it's our life, we feel like we should be in control of things. We should know what yeah. happens, what should happen, when it should happen, how it should happen and so on. And you sort of realize that that's really an illusion that we don't we don't control it. I think in a way COVID and everything that happened with COVID and so on has sort of really sort of shown us that quite starkly that there's a lot of things about life that we have no control over and yeah. yet therefore what does that mean does it mean you just sort of give up no I don't think it does I think it means well what do you control well the only thing you really control is is how you turn up Anything you really yeah. control is the fact that you are being, whether you like it or not, you are being. I mean, in a way, you don't control your being because your being, that awareness, that presence is just something that always happens. You know, regardless of your thinking, you are always having an experience. And what we're saying is, so that's really useful to know whether you like it or not. Every moment of your life, you are having an experience. And yes, yes. we can sometimes, I think almost as a result, that sort of sense of a separate self think, okay, and that means therefore I'm in control and things should be like this and they shouldn't be like that. And it's realizing, well, no, that's not true. The only way you can have a positive impact on life is by coming from your being, by tuning into that, you can be more present, you can be more engaged. And the more present and engaged you are the greater impact positive impact that you're going to have and then it means that you can so I was just thinking as you were talking about cricket you know I was thinking of um let's keep on the theme of cricket but Brendan McCullum who's now the sort of um yeah the the, um manager of the um England test cricket side he's a Kiwi very very successful player but he talks back about a time when he was playing and just realizing it just was on this treadmill going from sort of one game to the next. And he was a very successful player. So he played lots in lots of different countries as part of the sort of T20, you know, and really good money from that. But but he had this real epiphany at one point, and they're going through a really bad period of just that all the fun's gone out of this. And yeah. he I read an interview with him and he said, we just went back to say, when we when we played this game as kids, what was it? What was the spark that enabled us, you know, that, that made us want to play cricket? And he said, and we just went back to that. We went back to how do we just turn up and play and be present to that? But also, I think what's interesting, which is related to your point, is it doesn't mean you then don't think. So it doesn't mean that you don't have a strategy and you're not thinking through, you know, tactics and so on. But it's saying that it's a balance that you can be thinking about those things when you need to. But the essence of performance, the essence of living is is the being, is is your awareness. It's being present. And I think very successful cricketers, uh, people at that elite level, I think have that ability to be able to switch in and switch out. So they know that 
you know, if you're going to play, you have to be in the moment, you have to be present. And as soon as you allow your mind to be too active, that's when you that's when you really struggle. So yeah. I think it's a really interesting what you're saying is really interesting. Is it's not an either or, it's an and. It's saying yes. it's being yeah, and yeah. doing. It's it's being and thinking. <laughs> it, we're not trying to say one's bet one's one's right and one's wrong. It's saying no, no, they they a bit like the film and the screen. You know, without without the screen, there's there's no film, and without the film, <laughs> you know, the screen yeah. is blank. <laughs> so. Yeah. You have to, you just have to have them together. And um, and I think where I think, you know, what we've talked about, I suppose, is where people really start to struggle, and particularly you see this with sort of mental health, is when yes. the mind takes over, when, when people live completely from the mind and that sense of a separate self, you can see that's, that's when we get into real problem because then we're trying to think about everything. We're trying to control everything. We've got lots of expectations of the future, expectations of ourselves, how things should work out. And it's all of that just becomes completely sort of overwhelming. Um, yeah, do you know what? I, I was thinking as you're talking that um, I am absolutely convinced that when you see research that says the most stressful things that people can do in their life is move house. And I am convinced that the reason it is so stressful is you are so out of control of all these things and have huge and high expectations about things. And it's a good a good example, I think, of what we're talking about and a reminder of, but you're not in control. You think you can talk, you know, you can get the survey done on time and you think your solicitor will do your bit and your buyers and your sellers and all these all these things that you know we walk around going, I can control all this stuff, I can I can manage it. And this is life's great way of going, <laughs> we will see about that and yeah. experience experience all of this and tell me you're in control. Yeah. And that, all those things create such you know, mental health challenges, some real frustrations, some you know, really difficult scenarios and you know, macro forces that are going on. And that's not to say that actually by having a different perspective you're going to sort any of those things we're not we're not saying that you will still be out of control with your, your seller and your buyer and your your estate agent and everything that gets involved in all these different parties not doing their bit or changing their mind or not getting mortgages at different elements we're not saying that but what we're saying is is actually if you're coming from perspective where you know you're not in control and you don't have those expectations of i need to be in for christmas because we've got to you're going to have christmas in the new house Actually, you can come from a greater wisdom and a greater ability to to manage whatever the challenges that that come absolutely with less pressure, mm. with less stress. And look, who knows? Even actually, you might be more successful or getting the outcomes that you would love because you haven't got all that interference that you're managing at, at that time. Absolutely. And it's so it's, it's such a good point, Gareth, because it's what was coming to mind when he said that. My mum and dad moved a few years ago, moved to, right, yeah. closer to us. And um, they found a house um, and yeah, it, 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 it happened really quickly. So there was, um, it was to do with, um, an estate that was be, sort of being managed by a brother and sister. So it was a little bit sort of complicated and it all happened a bit sort of quickly. And they really, really wanted it. They got quite invested sort of in it. Yeah, quite, yeah. They were quite stressed about the whole thing and um, they made an offer and nothing was heard because it was the brother and sister had to sort of agree because one of the parents had sort of died and therefore it was sort of part yeah. of that. So there was... You know, it wasn't sort of simple and they're really sort of stressed about it all. And then finally they got the phone call to say, yeah, they both agreed, offer accepted. And, and you know, my dad was like, oh, such a relief. And um, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But no, I said, um, so I said, <laughs> I said to him, a bit cheeky really, but I said, so materially what's changed? And he goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, materially what's, what's actually changed? And he said, well, they've, they've accepted the offer. I said, yeah, but what does that really mean? Well, they've accepted it. I said, but nothing's nothing's confirmed yet. You know, nothing signed, no contracts, no sir, all of that. I said, 
really, I said, if you look at it, nothing materially has changed. The only thing that's changed is your thinking. Yeah. And he's going, well, I'll put a bit of a damper on it, Steve. I said, well, no, I'm, not, I'm not trying <laughs> to say that. I think it's great that you found, but let's let's be honest, nothing yet has changed. And it, it's a bit like years ago, I was asked to, to friend of mine, I was asked to speak to a client of his who was really stressed with someone in his team. And I'd had some just conversations with him just to help him through it. And we, we the third conversation, I could see he was completely different on the, because uh, it was done on, over Zoom. And uh, I said, oh, you look a bit different. He said, oh yeah, it's just really, it's resolved itself. And um, I said, oh, what's what's happened? He said, oh, you know, the person we've obviously been talking about is um, uh, is moving to a, to another team. We've managed to sort out. And he said, oh, such a relief. It's just, I said, oh, he's already gone. And he said, oh, no, 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 he's still here. I said, <laughs> oh, how long? Uh, yeah, no, he's got to be here three, you know, so three, it's, it takes sort of three months, you know, because it's like an internal sort of move. I said, Oh, so nothing's changed. He said, "Yeah, yeah, no, he's 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 moving on." And I said, "I said, yeah, but he hasn't gone yet." And he said, "Oh, no." I said, "But you you're in a completely different place." And it was really interesting. He just hadn't. It was so helpful for him to see. Oh my God, that is absolutely true. Nothing has actually changed. The only thing that has changed is. The thinking I have about it and the thinking I have about him that just fund literally fundamentally was would completely changed his experience of that of that situation. Yeah. So we often just get little glimpses of the significance of our our internal state, the significance of our sort of thinking, expectations, judgments, you know. And you realize, you know. Someone I was coaching yesterday, you know, he said, he said, this is all this is all this interference, he said, is me, isn't it? And I said to him, yeah, that's what it all comes down to. Ultimately, yeah, every interference always comes down to us. So even the ones that there's certain ones we know that are about our own, I don't know, self-doubt or fear or insecurity. We sort of know well that I definitely know that that's mine. But what we were exploring as part of this conversation was. But even the things that look like they're external to do with other people or circumstances, they're all still you because it depends how you relate to them as to whether what impact they have. And, you know, you see that in work a lot where there'll be certain individuals that some people really struggle with. And people might even agree, yeah, they are they are a challenging individual. But you realise that but some people are not bothered by that and other people are really bothered by mm. it. Yes, and yes. You, when you look at that, you can really see the people that say, yeah, he is a bit of a, you know, that they are a bit of a challenging individual. But, you know, they're often, just, but, you know, that's just the way it is, you know, and I, I've got certain ways I deal with that. And then you've got someone else that's wrong and they shouldn't be doing this and they shouldn't be, and they're, they're really sort of affected by it. So again, it comes back to, well, the only thing we we really control is who are we being in relationship to them? Because I can't control yes. them. I can't control anyone else. The only thing I control is who am I being in that situation? Who am I being in relationship to them? That's absolutely in my in my gift. And even if that doesn't mean that it gives them carte blanche to treat me however they want you know if there's something they're doing that's against the law or against company policy or whatever yeah it doesn't mean that you're a doormat it just means that well if there's a if you need to challenge something if you need to have an open honest conversation about it well the only thing you are going to control is you is the way you engage with them yeah and if you engage with them from a from your own sense of being you're you're much more likely to have a success a, a more impactful conversation with them than you are when you feel like you're you're caught on that back foot and feel more of a victim of circumstance or other people it's very hard to take effective action from that place i think that's a brilliant 
point to just finish on, Steve. And I think there's some lovely summary points there. I think there's a lovely question that you posed there, which I think we can all all think about. We did we did say we'd end with a listener comment, listener question. Um, I do wonder a little bit whether we might have already sort of answered some parts of this, but let me let me ask the question, Steve, and we'll see if anything comes up from it. So this question comes from Matt. Hello, Matt. Thank you for getting in touch. Uh, and he says, um, can you two give us an example of the opposite effect of being that you two have experienced? So he goes on to say when perhaps you were being angry or being aggressive or negative things and talk about the impact that that had. He says that I hear you two talk about positive creating good, but what about negative creating bad? So I think we have had some sort of examples that I think probably fit into into that. But Steve, anything else that sort of resonates when you think about Matt's question and comments? Well, I'll give you a real example of something that um was was something with my wife actually during lockdown and um it's sort of late one night we were doing it we were doing a zoom call i won't say who it was with, with, with to keep the anonymity we were, doing a <laughs> yeah. zoom call. we were sort of in bed i mean not that you know, we go to bed quite early so it wasn't like really late but you know it's a lot i'd had a long day of doing stuff on zoom as it was and then doing another thing on 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 zoom and uh, and it was my wife and i and uh, having a conversation and you know you, you're in a conversation and it it's naturally coming to an end and you think okay now it's this is now finishing and um val kept saying asking another question oh how about <laughs> oh and have you met and and literally she'd done that about three times right where i in my mind this is all in my mind all in my mind was like right okay this is finishing now because I, I you know i just want to get off this call and then she kept just um, re- uh, restarting, opening it. it up, yeah. And afterwards, that we we did it did eventually end. Um, <laughs> it, 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 I was sat there thinking, don't say anything. You're you're really bothered. You're 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 my set my internal state. I was in a low mood, so my sense of being was not great. Yeah, because I was caught up in my thinking about that situation, and you know, in a way, what 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 she did and what she should have done and, and and so on so I was all caught up in that and I thought don't say anything in my mind I was saying don't say anything my my being was saying don't say anything but it was literally like a like a scab that I couldn't resist so I had <laughs> <laughs> and so I said to her I said oh yeah, um t- didn't you notice that that call was sort of coming to an end and you kept um you kept it going and she like as neutrally as anything just sort of says best not to talk about it because you're not in the right frame of mind brilliant right and that was brilliant because it wasn't irritated it wasn't like well you know you know she didn't do that it was so cool in a way because she was it was in a way it was from such a loving neutral place yeah brilliant And and i and i knew it was true and i um and I went, yeah, but, and I went to do that. And she said, no, honestly, love, she said, just best not to. And it just, it just killed, you know, just that was it. And, and it was like, it was such a deep truth, right, that I could not argue with it. And it's not even yeah. like where someone sometimes will say that, but they'll do it from an irritated state where then you can react to the irritation, you know, and that's when you get into well, you know, and you can sort of start to pick a fight in a way. But when someone doesn't, then there's nothing to, there was nothing to sort of pull on it. And I said to her the next day when we went out for a walk, I said, that was just such a beautiful it's thing wonderful. to do. Such a wonderful, it was from such a loving place, but it was so honest and so wise in a way. I said, yes. it, it just like nothing I could, I could do. So I think, you know, Matt's point, we're not trying, uh, certainly me, you know, anyone of my friends and family listen to this will go, yeah, there's plenty of times when he's angry. But I think the thing I like then is that if what we're saying is true, that, that our being is an ongoing creation, when you get it wrong, you can put it right. Yeah. So, you know, when you don't turn up as you wanted to, you weren't the best friend or you weren't the best 
husband or mother or wife or whatever it's okay because then it's like well I can turn up tomorrow I can turn up in the next interaction and, and and be different and sort of put that right and I think sometimes that sense that it's ongoing and there's and you will get it wrong everyone will get it wrong because we're you know we're living with our mind and our thinking and our emotions and our feelings and you know they're subject to all sorts of you know um sort of circumstances and conditions and low states and all the rest of it and life is challenging and difficult so you know we, we are going to get it wrong sometimes but the, the coming back to our being gives us a better chance of navigating all of that yeah i love that absolutely love that uh, I think if Val's words can uh, stay with us of the uh, best not to love, I think if, if we uh, follow that a little bit more, I'm sure <laughs> we'd uh, we'd uh, be in much better places. Good. All right, Matt, thank you so much for that question. I hope that's a uh, good answer. Um, so we're going to wrap up now. Thank you as ever for taking the time for you and joining us for today's podcast. We hope that again, you found something of useful, something that has given you an insight and something that will just take you closer to that well-being and happiness that we're advocating and and pointing to um this has been episode four we're moving on to episode five so hopefully you'll join us and we move into what incredibly will be the second part of this sort of first series of eight that we originally promised um if like josh and matt you have any questions please as i've already said do get in touch with us at hello at everydaybeing.co.uk we genuinely want this to be a growing community and the questions and the comments will help that should you even be brave and want to involve yourself in this conversation we have had had some uh, comments back of people commenting as they're listening to to us um so you know if if you want to get involved and join us for a conversation or an interview or whatever that would look like we'd love we'd love to to have you uh, along we've started this podcast as we say each week because we believe that this can have such a massive impact but is not widely known uh, we are two voices but we're conscious that we represent certain experiences and we want different voices different experiences to come in and look and discuss being in a range of different ways that really can spread the word and can get people um with with different experiences to see things in the way that we we hope you can so please don't be shy please do get in touch um any last comment to finish us off steve no so thanks so much gareth i I really enjoyed the conversation like you said uh, hopefully you know the examples we're trying to give can help you just reflect on their own experience i think that again i you know said before that self-inquiry really encourage people just to do that to see if what we're talking about sort of resonates in their own experience yeah so thanks very much no no thank you mate and i'll leave you with val's words to say best not love (laughs) (laughs) take care and we'll see you next time yeah cheers bye